Her Sports Six Nation Show in association with Opal. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Her Sports Six Nations Show, brought to you in association with Opal, the exclusive car partner to the IRFU. You can catch up on this episode and every episode on the series on YouTube, on our channels, or listen to the podcast on every podcast app. Hannah, Eve Higgins uh, obviously made an impact um, you know, this weekend with a try. Was she a standout player for this match for you? Yeah, look, um, you know, there wasn't many bright moments um, or, you know, players that really stood up last weekend and kind of showed how good of a player they can be and maybe how good this team can be. But Eve Higgins was definitely a huge positive um, for that team. You know, she carried exceptionally well in attack. She uh, defended really, really well, particularly because that 13 position is really pivotal for defence, you know, and it's kind of the person that and um, the attack line try and target and move about to be able to create space. And, you know, she's not only like a, a decent tackler, but she's actually a very dominant tackler too, you know, and she she stops teams from winning the gain line. But um, I thought she was very impressive the last day. She took her her two tries, even if one was chalked off, really, really well. And um yeah, look, she's she's still very, very young and mm -hmm. I really just look forward to watching her over the next few years grow and evolve into that 13 jersey and, and become a key influential figure for Ireland and, and bring them a lot of success. Yeah, she definitely over the like the past two years has really seemed to grow into herself, so it'd be exciting to see like what her journey is like. I know for the try that obviously was counted, um, you know, this discussion of how many phases it was and it was a huge team effort. So was that a a good passage of play for us um, you know, and getting that uh, ball over the line, obviously. Yeah, look, I was delighted that we actually got on the scoreboard because uh, for long periods of time, you know, we weren't able to hold on to the ball enough. So it didn't look likely. Um, but as you said, we managed to hold on to possession, uh, move the ball, kind of get into the shape, I suppose, that we want to attack in. Um, and... I think nearly almost every player touched the ball in, in that try um, and it worked out to be a really, really good team try. Stacey Flood kind of set up nicely with a little bit of a hesitation. Eve finished it off with some beautiful footwork and for her it was just well-deserved for the performance that she had. Um, but what was nice to see, it was a glimpse of what we can do when we keep, you know, we keep the ball and we hold the ball. It's just that wasn't something we did very often against France uh, last weekend and... It is nice to see those glimpses of positivity. I just wish we could see an awful lot more of them. <laughs> yeah, and that's something obviously that we'll be hoping for a, a bit more this week. Um, we want you to show your support for the girls in green uh, as they host Italy for round three of the TikTok Six Nations Championship. Comment below what you think will be the final score of this weekend's game um, it, with Ireland versus Italy at Musgrave Park. Send your photos to us on Instagram and Twitter with the hashtag HerSport Six Nations. In terms of um, the scoreline, obviously the result was 40, 40 to 5, um, you know, obviously with the French win. Um, you know, was this a, a score that you had expected? Yeah, to be honest, um, I think my prediction was that France would score in the 30s, but to be honest, in my head, I thought that France would score a lot more. And I was just hoping that, you know, the girls could put in a, a really good defensive shift mm -hmm. to keep that score. But I do think that uh, for the... The Irish team to go out and get a win last weekend would have been an absolute upset of the highest order. Um, I was just hoping they went out and put in a performance, um, you know, and were able to keep 
keep France to a minimum and stop their attacking threats and then show off a bit of flair themselves. But uh, unfortunately, our own kind of mistakes and mishaps you know, allowed the French too much possession, too much freedom. And when you give that to one of the best teams in the world, they will punish you. And, and France did that, you know, and they ran in, uh, I think it was six tries, you know, four in the first half, uh, two in the second half. And a lot of those tries came from our own mistakes, our own penalties, you know, and you can't, you can't give them that. When you give the team a ball or the ball like you're giving them energy you're just saying to them right come at the, come at us and like and you're left defending all the time similarly against Wales our penalty count was very high and um, France punished us and, and we never really got a foot in the game mm-hmm. obviously uh, we've talked about Eve being a standout player so for for you were there any other key players in the match uh, last weekend yeah look uh, as I said you know there's no fault um, or lack of effort from any of the girls that are out in the field. They're all trying to do their best. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't actually see that. You know, the heart and the desire and the effort and work rate was there, but um, our basic execution skill level wasn't. I was extremely impressed by Amy Lee Murphy Crow once again, um, particularly on the defensive side, you know. Um, Again, when you give a team the ball and you're stuck with defending all the time, they're, they're going to try and stretch you, move the ball, and the French have the skill and flair and offloading game to do that. And I thought um, Murphy Crow was excellent in her scramble and kind of cover tackles, particularly in those wide areas where she was left a little isolated at times, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then she had some really good carries herself just to kind of get out a little bit of danger and um, she's one probably slight weakness that she would have in her game is the backfield kind of in learning that again with her background in sevens you know the kicking game isn't there as much and so she wouldn't really find herself in the backfield too much and um, that's something she's learning over time and with each cap she's getting better and I thought um, she did quite well there uh, last weekend which is nice to see an improvement because like you look at her she's an incredible player and yeah. you're like she's actually only getting better like you know she's she's not even in her prime yet for me we still have so many years of good rugby ahead with her and uh, I, I thought she she did really really well and there was a one thing I actually was really really impressed with uh, some of the impact that the subs made mm-hmm. um, last week I kind of was hoping that the subs might see a little bit more game time and that they could kind of influence the game because again they're coming on as fresh legs this new energy you know really tightening up that defensive line bringing that bit of energy into attack and I thought Hannah O'Connor when she came on at eight was super she had a mall turnover which was a weakness against Wales and you know she had some strong carries some big tackles and Again, she's a player who's been chomping at the bit to kind of get opportunities and she would have been disappointed with her lack of game time um, against Wales and, you know, she's she's hoping to start. Like, every player there is hoping to start, so I thought she did quite well. Um, I also thought uh, Chrissy Haney coming in for her first cap, you know, she was given 40 minutes and that's that's a big ask, you yeah. know, to see a prop changed at half time. but I um, thought she had some great carries and some great tackles and a really big impact for her and, Again, it's your first cap, you're going to France away, it's very daunting and she did quite well. So it, it will be interesting to see um, the team that we see this weekend and then obviously beyond that, particularly when we, we end up missing a few um, players due to other commitments. Yeah, you talked a little bit about that fear factor in, um, in respect to playing in front of the French home crowd. Um, what are the positives that we can take out of the game um, and draw on you know, moving into playing against Italy this weekend? 
Look, it's easy to focus on the negatives. There were a lot of negatives and, and we'll get into that later on in terms of what the girls and the team would be very disappointed about. But I think one big positive to take was that while our set piece and our, our scrum line it weren't very good at the weekend again, our mall defence did improve. You know, Wales tore us apart and figured out our weaknesses and I was quite afraid that France would have reviewed that and gone, here we go, here's an opportunity to score tries all day. Uh, but our mall defence actually stood up really well and it, it was nice to see that little bit of improvement and see the girls take a bit of pride in that. And, you know, uh, France didn't have as much uh, leeway with the mall and as much, um, I suppose, happiness with it because the Ireland team had tightened that up a bit. And, and that was a nice positive to see. Obviously, you know, we had other areas of the pitch we really now need to focus on. But that, that was nice to see that we kind of didn't let France exploit that as much as they would have wanted to. Again, other positives we see are the fact like the try we scored and, you know, the try we had chalked off. They were really nice pieces of play that we had. And it, again, it gives us that hope and shows us that we are capable of playing good rugby and playing to a good level. And like if you can score against France, you're doing well. Like they are a very, very big defensive unit with huge line speed, huge physicality mobile forwards who try and close down the space very quickly and so for us to hold on to possession for our, our try in the second half and eventually get the score and break them down is really positive we just need to get more opportunities to be able to yeah. do that and, and again you need the ball to to do that yeah it's just about tying some of those pieces of play together and hopefully seeing more consistency with that um talk to us about the the player of the match yeah look um what any what any team would do to have a player like Laurie Sansus in um in their team. She is just a diminutive little nine um who, you know, she, she came off the bench against Wales and had the most meters of uh, any player on the pitch with seventy seven and, and set up a couple of tries and <clears throat> this this week she was given the nod from the start and um you know, she is an incredible player. She actually plays her Toulouse where they were playing this weekend. So it was nice for her. She yeah. knew that pitch, but she just dictated the play, dictated the tempo. She had the most carries of any French player on the team, which for a nine is unheard of. You know, usually they're just pick up the ball and pass it to the 10, but kind of just shows the leadership and that role she takes on for her team. She scored two tries herself. And um, again, showing her class and her experience. Um, and probably highlighting the inexperience of our nine um, and playing on that, which all good players do, you know. And uh, she sniped off the back of, of two scrums to score her two tries. And she's a, she was a constant threat. So even when she wasn't looking to snipe herself or score, you know, she was sucking two or three play Irish players in uh, because she's so dangerous. Um, and that just created gaps and space out wide, caused Irish players a bit of indecision. You know, they didn't want to rush up and let her run. And... You know, she's an incredible player. I would love to uh, play outside her at 10, although I'm not sure I'd get the ball too much, to be honest. But, um, yeah, what any team would, would give to have a player like her. There's a reason she was voted um, or nominated for World Player of the Year last year. And and the scary thing is, like, last year, she had to compete for that nine jersey mm -hmm. with Polly and Bourdon. And we hope to see Bourdon um, over the next couple of rounds coming back from injury and, like... I don't know, Caroline Duran is playing really well at 10 there, so... Competition is stiff. Competition is... It's like, she's that good, and competition yeah, yeah. is still stiff. It just highlights the quality that France have. You know, whether she's starting, whether she's coming off the bench, she's going to have an impact. You have Bourdon to come on, you have Duran there. They're interchangeable in some ways, and... 
they're just a dream. That depth is just a dream. Yeah. Um, earlier we were chatting with uh, Claire Molloy about the youth of the squad, so we'll have a look at that clip now. Yeah, I think, you know, you reflect on last year's uh, results, similar similar scoreline um, at home um, in um, the Energy Park. Um, I think, you know, looking at uh, France's uh, strengths, you know, they've always had a strong pack and strong set piece, and that's an area that an inexperienced team will struggle with. Um, you know, you can't really trade match experience um, for learning on the job. Um, you know, that's it's challenging, you know, for the girls and I know there's frustration there um with the pack and you know they'll be wanting to build on it but you know it's just not built in a day um you know they can do mm -hmm. quick fixes during the week but you can't trade experience like I can't say that I was a good scrummager after three or four caps myself <laughs> even as Absolutely. a back row people might say I didn't even push but like you know just <laughs> you know how to defend a scrum office that takes time that takes learning uh, and experience so you know I think the girls are yeah it's a steep learning curve at the moment for them in terms of what uh, you know, Claire is saying there, like you also uh, spoke a little bit about that, that, you know, rum's not built in a day and you have to get the games to get the experience. So um, tell us a bit about that and like, you know, how can we, you know, improve on what we're doing now? Yeah, look, I suppose all the talk and all the media hype and stuff has been around this new team, this new squad, new management, you know, and this, I suppose, new era that we're building towards with this next World Cup. And I suppose... While we are trying to see new players, we've obviously seen Avian Riley capped, Christy Haney capped, uh, Anna McGann has been capped this um, tournament so far. And it's, it's great to see these players being brought in. But again, what comes with that is that lack of inexperience mm -hmm. or lack of experience. And it is really hard because, you know, Claire Malloy had something like 75 caps, played for Ireland for, I think, well over 10 years. And... We lost her with retirement last year. Lindsay Peach, who'd been a stalwart, she joined rugby late, but still had a huge influence on this team. Junior, or Kira Griffin, um, also retiring last year. So we've lost a lot of voices and leadership yeah. in the squad. A lot of these uh, players who retired would have been taking these younger players under their wing, showing them the ropes, like Kira Griffin did that with Dorothy Wall when she broke onto the scene, and kind of little tips and tricks of the positions and stuff like that to help them along and... We don't have as many of those voices and those characters within the squad nowadays. And like our most experienced players, uh, you know, Emer Constantine at 25 caps, um, Nicola Friday at 24 caps out there. But like, even then, you know, that's not huge experience yeah. in terms of, you look at like say the England team or the France team where like the England team have numerous players who are 50 plus caps. Uh, some of them, you know, near closer to the 100 caps kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we are... That, that inexperience has showed a couple of times over over the the two games and um, you can only get experience with games. You can train and, and practice against each other all the time, but until you're in that match situation, you don't really understand with the pressure there and, and the fans and everything else coming on that like that's where you build and grow as a player and, and you know, mould into what you hope to be and it's not going to happen this Six Nations. You know, we're not going to get through these five games and all of a sudden, you know, Avian Riley has five caps now and she's super experienced. Like, she still has so much to learn and so do so many of those players who've been around two or three years. And look, Rome wasn't built in a day, but we do need to start seeing improvements game by game. You know, the France game, look, they're just way too good for us right now, you know, and that is hard to say and I'm sure it's hard to hear as players, but it's it's the reality and we need to be focusing on games that we do think we can win 
um, and and putting in good performances there, you know, to, to grow the morale and the confidence, but also to get that experience. Because again, nobody likes losing, nobody wants to lose. And you, they say you learn more in defeat than you do mm. in, in winning, but you want to win, <laughs> like, you know, right. and you hope you win. And the more you win, the more coverage you get and the more exposure and that grows the game. And it, it just has more positive um, benefits to it, I suppose. And in terms of, um, you know, there were obviously errors and mistakes that were made and, you know, you can put some of that down to inexperience. Like, was all of that, you know, down to, you know, getting game time and, um, you know, or were some of the errors just, they just shouldn't have happened? Yeah, look, there's there's clearly a mixture of both. Um, Claire talked about how, you know, with scrums and stuff like that, it doesn't just happen overnight. And we had a couple of scrum penalties at the weekend. Again, I'm, I'm a... Back, so I didn't exactly know what was going on but kind of looking back our bind wasn't great um, our, our scrum height wasn't great and that kind of just gave all the leverage to France and you know they, they wheeled us and they, they got the leverage on and, and the penalty went against us and from there they actually scored two tries but um, one of the tries where Sansu scored her first try was that we just failed to cover the blind side mm -hmm. you know and that's you know, Dorothy Wall needs to be quicker at getting off the back of the scrum, you know, um, but also our blind winger and our nine, who both actually leave that space, need to communicate better and, and realise that you can't leave someone like Sansu with that space because she, she'll take advantage, and she did. Um, I think what was most frustrating, and I'm sure the players recognised this when they watched the analysis back, is the number of silly penalties we gave away mm -hmm. and penalties that are... You know, they're not under pressure. You you weren't trying to turn over the ball with hands in the rook and stuff like that, which you can in some ways excuse. And I say excuse, like, you know, in that at least you were trying to compete. Whereas we had a couple of penalties over the weekend and they just were so costly and so just silly. Like, you know, we, we did not need to make them and they're, they're almost inexcusable. Like, if you look at... Um, in the first half, and maybe it was Avian Riley's exuberance to try and chase in the ball, but... She, um, the player was on the ground and she completely went off her feet to tackle her whereas you actually have to let that player stand up and, and hold her up and we just left France out there and mm -hmm. let the pressure on so that was a bit of naivety and a bit of just kind of common sense that you need to have um, looking towards I suppose the try we had chalked off um, we had the line out and Dorothy Wall just kind of obstructs a player by pulling her back and again like Dorothy knows better. While she hasn't got that many caps, she's been around the squad long enough and I know the likes of Kira Griffin and them would have taught her how to work the line out and be cute about it and use your body and there'd be a lot of frustrations on that because we would have went up 7-3 had that gone in. Like, mm -hmm. And that just would have given a huge morale boost, huge confidence boost and instead it gets chalked off and from that, France actually marched down the field and get in a good line or a scrum position um, and, and score from that. Second half, like we had Nicole Cronin right at the end, diving directly over a scrum and, and knocking the ball from scrum half's hand, which she knows, she's experienced enough, she's been around long enough, knows you can't do that. And I think that was frustration on her part. The game was gone, they couldn't get their hands on the ball and stuff. But like, again, you can't be, they're costly and you can't be giving teams these easy opportunities and hurting your own teammates in that way. Stacey Flood had another where she unnecessarily um, was lying on the ground and held onto the, the nine's leg so she couldn't escape. But it was right in our try line. And again, just really costly. She knows better. And I'm sure, like, you know, she'll have looked at the footage and gone, oh God, yeah, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done it. But she did do it. Yeah, and yeah. 
like if you have the likes of Nicole Cronin and Stacey Flood who are very experienced in international rugby doing that like what message is that sending out to the younger girls in the yeah. team you know and the inexperienced girls so they're just learnings that have to take like and if we were to improve one thing for the Italy well I'll take two things to the Italy game handling like just our own basic catch pass handling was very very poor and the girls would be very disappointed and penalty count mm -hmm. Like, stop giving away those stupid penalties. We had three offside penalties, which is just discipline. Like, that's pure discipline. Just get back behind the rook. Um, we had a couple of scrum penalties. Again, that won't be fixed overnight. Um, couple of hands in the rook. Again, just competing for the ball there. That's ref's judgment. But then those, those silly penalties from there are just... They're inexcusable. And, like, and as a someone who plays rugby myself and who was on that team and clearly cares and want I like I want this team to do so well and succeed and and show everybody how good they can be but like I'm screaming at the telly I am roaring my head like why are you doing that you know you're not supposed yeah. to and it's frustrating and I'm sure there was players who have been involved in in camp recently but weren't traveling or haven't been involved that are also like what are you doing that's not how we play you know that's that's not something we want to do and frustrating would have been the key word I think and yeah. disappointed coming out of, of that match yeah I think it sounds like you know what you're saying is a lot of the players know better for some of the mistakes that were made but they were also costly errors and then you know while you're talking about how difficult it is obviously to get a try against France you know how excellent would it have been in terms of being able to hold off some of the tries that they scored against Ireland Um, you know you had talked previously about like getting a performance um, instead of necessarily getting a win because obviously expectations have to be realistic when you're going up a, up against a side like France. Um, do you think it was a performance or it, it wasn't good enough? No, it, they didn't perform um, at all really in that match. In, in glimpses, like we saw with the try and some other really good moments like Lucy Mulhall had an excellent break uh, from her own half in the second half. Like, and they were, again, really positive movements. I thought... Um, Catherine Dane, when she came on in the second half, really upped the tempo. You know, her passing was very crisp and kind of gave us those opportunities to get on the front foot and put France under pressure. And again, that's the impact of the bench that you want to see. Um, you know, I'd be looking to see if she can get a start this weekend and, and kind of bring that just calmness and experience. But yeah, like, it's just, I'm, I'm still frustrated. Yeah, that's how much I, I care about this team and how well you know they can play because like I know how good yeah. these players are individually and how good they can be collectively and we haven't seen that performance yet and you know to go and, and get this win against Italy it needs to be a performance again we saw glimpses of it against Wales but the last two games possession has not really been something we've um, controlled very well and, and therefore we can't dominate and put in those performances yeah like obviously it is a transition period but they need to be taking away confidence from some of these games and that could have given them maybe more confidence and um, hopefully we'll see a good performance against Italy and something that obviously people really do feel they can be competitive in and walk away um, with the win from but before we jump into the change that you might make uh, we did uh, chat to Claire Malloy and see what changes she'd like to make um, in the Irish starting lineup this week. 
looking at the two performers, I think it's it's it would be it would be refreshing to see um, some change in personnel. Um, you know, let's give what's called players an opportunity, like the likes of uh, Maeve Vogue onto the bench. You know, mm-hmm. she's not been in the including the twenty three. We've seen her being an exciting player. She was included in Japan and USA. Um, could we see a start for it's called Christine Haney? You know, after her strong carries the last day against France, potentially. Um, you know, second rows, I think Sam and school, Nick Friday are a strong combination in like to see that continue. Um, do you want to see uh, Hannah O'Connor start a game? You know, she's an out and out eight, um, school, which would be exciting. And then, you know, the likes of Brittany Hogue to come on and bring the energy um, from the back line. Could we see Enya Breen come into the mix? You know, she's been a, a, a dual playmaker. Um, do we put her on? Um, and then obviously you've got the back three, you've got, you know, Lauren Delaney, it was called playing her trade over in Sale Sharks, exciting ball carrier. Um, do, uh, Aoife Doyle coming in, Alison Pace and, and a bit of 15's experience. I think there's a couple of players that, you know, will be chomping at the bit to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you've had your chance, this, I, I want to go now, let me show what I can do um, and to really impress. In terms of uh, some of the players now that Claire has mentioned, uh, do you agree with the, the changes or what would your opinion be? Yeah, look, um, Claire name-checked a few. I think Hannah O'Connor, um, we could see a start for her this weekend. My issue would be that obviously we might lose a few players to the Sevens programme travelling from the England game onwards. So, mm. like, I don't know, will Greg try and... To, make a few changes this weekend to try and um, I suppose gel some of those players in and transition them in that will play a major role in the last two games or will he kind of like to keep that um, similar setup and similar team for this third game and give them another chance because we saw that you know I was very surprised last weekend to see that unchanged team but in fairness to to Greg he was like look the players didn't perform day one I'm I'm backing them to go again and Mm -hmm. here's their opportunity but at international level, yeah, you might get a second chance, but it's very rare you'll get a third. Yeah. You know, again, I don't know what Greg is thinking um, in terms of that, but I would, I would like to see a few changes. Um, Claire's talking about people like chomping at the bit, and you know that some of these players have had their chance. So, like, have they had their chance? And is it time to make a few changes? Like May Vogue is obviously. Uh, you know, one of the other names that was mentioned there, um, do they deserve their opportunity to get out and show what they can do as well? Yeah, I suppose. Like, some players haven't taken their opportunity after two games. And um, as you said, there are other players. Maeve O'Leary has been um, within that travelling squad and 24th member, as they call it, the last few games. So, you know, she's very, very close. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see her come in or at least come in on the bench. Um, as I said, I think Hannah O'Connor could come in at eight, Again, I would like to see Catherine Dane at nine just to steady the ship a little bit. The back line is a really interesting one. Again, the, the discussion is going to be, do you start Baven? You know, and it's tricky because she's a, she is a superstar and like any team in the world would take her. Um, mm. And she's probably so pent up and frustrated about how the tournament has gone far and so far and that she hasn't maybe impacted it as much as she would have liked. You know, she lit up the tournament last year and she, a big thing when she came on, she had, didn't have a lot of opportunities. And But this week you could see like she had, um, she was so eager to get going, but her actually, she was nearly too eager in that her first three involvements was a high tackle, a penalty for a high tackle. She was just so like trying to get stuck in an accidental offside um, and then a knock on, you know, and that just kind of shows the the eagerness to get on and get involved. But 
did again didn't have the impact that she would have wanted France were very clever and closed the space on her again mm -hmm. as most teams will because she is a target but I did um, it was interesting to see Emer Constantine come off at half time last week um, don't know whether that was a knock or a um, just a, a tactical substitution with Lucy Mulhall move to full back it would be interesting to see do they go I'd like to see Lucy Mulhall at full back just to see how she, she goes she's a, a great bootner as well and you know, comes from a GAA background, so usually her hands are quite good. She had a bit of an off week last week, though, so um, I don't know. Um, but look, everybody wants to see Amy Lee Murphy grow on one wing and Baven Parsons on another. Again, the question... And that's tough at the moment with the sevens, because, like, obviously in the coaching setup, like, they're thinking of, you know, the last two games where these players won't be available. So do you think part of that is the foresight, like, looking down the line and saying, OK, like, we can maybe play with one but not necessarily start with both because we have to start planning for what comes down the line? Yeah, look, and that's maybe the big question we'll see this weekend is that, you know, I think from the team that started last weekend, potentially seven of those will travel. And that's from the starting team. That's without Baven. Yeah. You know, seven of those will travel to... Um, to Canada for that sevens tournament. So if he goes with a similar um, team this weekend, like next weekend's team or the next game against England, we're, we're going to have to see numerous changes. So you are right. Like, is he holding a few in reserve so that when it comes to that England game, there's not a mad transition and mm -hmm. it's not like a whole new look team that we're, we're putting out against, you know, the best team in the world currently. So... You know, is that a wise decision? Um, again, don't know what he's thinking with regards to that, but I would like to see uh, some new faces in there again. Aoife Doyle's been travelling 24th man, but competition in, in the back three is absolutely incredible at the minute. You know, Lauren Delaney's around there then. Unfortunately, she's injured now and has been ruled out, but... Yeah, I, I would not like to be Greg picking a team because I feel like I'd be like, they should go here and they should go here and this, that and the other. But like, would I get a result? I don't know. Or would the result be any different? Yeah. I don't know. So in terms of like, there was obviously no changes in the team last week from the, the certain uh, team. Um, with players that are looking to get started and maybe feel like the, the team hasn't performed the way that it could, can that cause a little bit of a divide? Like uh, people get antsy and they're like, let me on, I want to yeah. play or... Um, is there a, you know, no, we pull together and we're all in this, moving the same direction? No, I think like, you know, collectively they're all in this together. They're all wanting the same things. They all have the same goals and they're training towards that. And um, of course, you're always going to get players who are disappointed, you know, that they're not getting minutes or they're not getting as many minutes as they would like and thought they'd be having a greater impact or maybe feel like they deserve their chance. But again, at the end of the day, like, it's up to the coach and, and his coaching uh, staff to decide who's a best fit in each position. And, you know, for me, like, looking back, I'd always back myself to start and feel like I was good enough and stuff like that. And I would like to think that every player is like that, um, you know, and would all have these kind of like, I think I should start. I think I'm a better yeah, player yeah. than you. That's what makes <laughs> That's players great. And yeah. it's the competitiveness and it's what drives competitions, drives standards and makes the team better collectively. Whether it's like, you know, it's not an individual sport. We play a team sport and you know that when you're playing. So whether you're happy or not with the call, you put on that face and you go out there and you do everything to help the team mm -hmm. win. And I think that's what we will see. Yes, you know, they can go home and they can vent and they can be this, that and the other, but they need to 
if, if that's the case, you know, if they have a player and they're not happy, they're getting minutes or, not, or they're not getting minutes, they need to go to management and go, okay, what's X in my position doing better than I am? How can I improve? How can I get a jersey? How can I get more minutes? Go off, work on that, and then come back and basically make it impossible not to pick you. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, give you need to give to them, pitch. exactly, or give them no reasons to leave you out, yeah. you know, and people are disappointed. That's the nature of sport. You shouldn't, I don't think you should be playing competitive or international sport if you're not going to be disappointed when things don't go your way. Uh, but I don't think that these girls will let it drive a wedge between them. Mm -hmm. You know, as you said, a lot of these girls do know that we will lose a couple of players in the next few rounds and maybe they're biding their time for that chance. Mm -hmm. Yes, would they like it to happen this weekend? Absolutely. But if it doesn't happen this weekend, you take the next game and you go, how do I get in there? Maybe this game would suit me better in terms of tactics or whatever uh, Greg McWilliams want. And we go from there. It's just about making it impossible to ignore you. Yeah. And like obviously there's the frustration from the you know team that are on the pitch and also the, the people that aren't getting played, like everyone is maybe a little bit frustrated with the last two games and how the performances went. Um, talking to Neve Briggs earlier, um, she was talking about how they're taking it like one game at a time. Um, and then obviously there's conversation around these players that are going to be leaving for sevens. Um, we've seen them come away with a medal before. Um, and it's something that everybody knows is kind of like, you know, is it the elephant? It is, is it the not? elephant like, in it's the room. Like, well, it's, it's happening, you know, we are losing players and you're talking about some key players there. Um, in terms of that, um, is that the right strategy one game at a time? Is this a learning curve for, um, you know, for this new young team that the, the Six Nations is something that it, it, there were always, always going to be teething problems? Yeah, look, I do think it's the right way to go with the one game at a time approach. Um, this, the way uh, women's rugby is in Ireland, the 15s team, the 7s team, we are on, always going to come up against this issue. Mm -hmm. it, even if this uh, Six Nations had been in its normal window and format uh, back in February, March, we would have also had a clash there. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the Spain legs and usually it's it's the Australia New Zealand legs so we would have been having this conversation uh, either way I do think the one game at a time approach is definitely beneficial to this current squad because I don't think that the girls are walking around going ah oh, sure it doesn't matter I won't be here for the England game or oh, you know yeah. ah don't worry she won't be around for this that and the other they're definitely taking it one game at a time focusing on this and like if you're Greg and you're picking a team for this weekend, you're not going, okay, well, you know, Eve has been great the last two games, but she's not around for the England game, so I'm not going to play her this weekend. Like, you got to play the, to the yes. strengths that you have, particularly when we haven't been putting in good performances. We need to give ourselves the best opportunity to win. And, you know, some players mightn't be happy with that, but... At the end of the day, Greg McWilliams has to do what he feels is right for the team to get performances, to get a victory and get some points on the board. And then they can go into that England game, figure out who they do have available to them. Because again, like some of these sevens players or players who play both don't actually know yet, I'd say. Like they might have a rough idea, but I don't say the official selection for that uh, Langford sevens has been announced. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you obviously go, well, Lucy Mulhall's captain she's more than likely going Stacey Flood Amy Lee Murphy-Crow Eve Higgins are all key players but like you never know what happens at the end of the day they're always surprised in selections as we've seen over the last few weeks and I wouldn't be you know banking on like all of them going or all of them staying over the next few weeks because 
we we don't know we're not yeah. privy to those conversations yeah, yeah. or what thoughts are going on there so the one game approach is is definitely important again no point looking towards england when we have a massive task of yeah. italy right in front of us one which we're hoping to get not only our first victory but a home victory in front of a a new venue like we're trying to spread the the game um you know and, and grow the game by having the games in different uh, venues this year and kind of making it more accessible for for everyone in ireland to come and watch and um yeah i i think players and management would be foolish to look ahead of, of Italy um, this weekend because Italy will tear you to shreds yeah. <laughs> if you if you know if you don't give them the the respect they deserve well like obviously um whatever decisions are made we're going to be discussing and deliberating and asking like what's the inside yeah. you know thought process but like you know regardless going up against England you know it's unlikely to be a success and that's just the reality of the situation given that the the backing that they have the professional setup and the like they've had it for a long period of time so to be fair regardless of what team you put out there the chances of a win it's not really realistic so you know the one game at a time approach like that maybe is his strategy to get that you know successful game time in against other teams now and again like looking towards like what can we build on in terms of like we're back to this new era again and, and the youth of the players and the lack of caps um is that maybe where we're seeing uh some of the sevens players being pulled out as maybe a bit more of a talking point now because there is uh less kind of experience there once they're kind of gone you're then having to put in new players and people with maybe less experience again where you would have had maybe players to rely on that you've mentioned earlier um, you know, whether it was with Keira Griffin or with Lindsay Peach, who maybe weren't being pulled into some of the other things that were going on. Yeah, look, I suppose this year is slightly different <coughs> um, to maybe a lot of previous years where uh, sevens players, we've never actually had, I think, this number of sevens mm -hmm. players within a squad and within a starting team. And, um, you know, most of the time when I was playing, it was maybe myself and two or three others kind yeah. of max and that has grown and it's great to see that crossover because I think both teams can benefit from it but um, there is that issue of when the those sevens players do leave you know the players that fill their positions and you know who are given an opportunity and a mm -hmm. chance and hopefully shine in that role and um, will they be coming in a little bit cold because they haven't played a lot of matches and they're coming up against an English team which is terrifying <laughs> to be honest like some of the players they have again are world class Abby Dow on the wing scored a hat-trick at the weekend and like even if you look at the team that they put out um, in the first game against Scotland and then the team they put out the weekend there they made something like seven or eight changes like you know and they were able to have players like Emily Scarrett on the bench mm -hmm. you know um, like Abby Dow came in uh, or sorry Abby Dow um let, was dropped out of the squad completely sorry and Lydia Thompson came in and she scored a hat-trick like to have players of that calibre they probably could field two competitive full teams. <laughs> competitive uh, squads of 23 you know that could beat nearly any team in the world and that's a scary scary thought but um, you know Ireland are, will have to go into that game just take their opportunities and much like the France game try to limit their mistakes limit their penalties and um, and put in some sort of a decent performance on that but again that's that's the game ahead, you know, hopefully they're going into that game with a bit of confidence, a win under their belt and, and going from there. But Italy won't be pushovers this weekend. Yeah, yeah. 
And Sherlock will be diving into the, <laughs> the Ireland-England game next week anyway, so we don't need to get too wrapped up with that today. Coming up next, I sat down with Claire Malloy and Neve Briggs to discuss how Ireland build from here, turning their attention to the next challenge against Italy at Musgrave Park and taking the positives while building into the future. After that, I'll be back in the studio with Hannah Tyrrell, but a quick reminder that you're listening to the Sport Six Nations show brought to you by Opal, the exclusive car partner to the IRFU. Look, we're, we're disappointed with um, facets of that game. Um, I think uh, when you look at the stats, we had a lot of possession. We had more passes than France, um, but we're probably all in the wrong areas of the pitch, and that's a huge learning for us. I think um, we struggled with our set piece as well, and that's another learning uh, in terms of, of where we want to go and what we're trying to do. So, yeah, I think I think you're trying to take the positives because there definitely was some. Like, the, for me, Eve Hagen's try was class. It was 13 phases. We worked our way up the pitch and we really backed ourselves in good positions. Um, we've just got to be smarter. And I think we only get that with the more games we play at international level. Absolutely. Um what are you working on with the team looking towards uh, playing Italy this week? Yeah, look, we've definitely got to work on our set piece for sure. I think we've got to, um, you know, make sure that we're we're on top of that. I know the lads are working really hard um, with the girls. We go back into camp um, tomorrow. So um, there'll be a lot of work done around both scrum and line out. But also um, from a backline perspective, you know, we had a lot of handling errors. We've got to make sure that we can eradicate as many of them as possible and, um, and you won't, it, it's it's strange, but you only kind of get that when you're, you know, in the cold face and under pressure, you only kind of understand proper learn, lines of running and proper depth and, and an ability to be able to hold your feet. And I think that we've just got to continue to develop that side of things. And I thought defensively over the last couple of weeks, we've done really well, but there's definitely been areas, um, little bits of detail that we probably haven't um, nailed down properly. So there'll definitely be a, a big area of focus for us heading this weekend. You're collaborating with the men's coaches, including Paul O'Connell and John Fogarty. So what have they brought to the camp um, in terms of, you know, everybody working together and trying to progress things? Yeah, look, as a back, I'm not really sure I'm in the best position to be able to... Oh, Briggsie, you're talking for some pearls of wisdom there <laughs> to take forward. Um, from, uh, from terms of that, but I do know that the lads have been really, really good in terms of... Um, Look, in detail, we're very aware we're not the biggest side, um, so we've got to be technically proficient in everything that we do. So I think it's just, you know, those small details of technical things that we can work on week in, week out, because the time that we have is very limited. So we've mm -hmm. just got to make sure that we're not um, overloading a huge amount of information. And I just, from a breakdown perspective, you know, Paula Collins speaks a lot about um, taking threats as opposed to being ball focused. And I think that's definitely a a big eye-opener for us, both as coaches and, and, and as players. And I thought we did that really well against France at times. Um, so we just got to continue to build on that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to overwhelm people and uh, give them the key things to focus on. Yeah, look, I think that's the big thing. I think you, as coaches, you can go down lots of rabbit holes and um, and try and fix everything at one stage when you, you, you literally can't do that. You've got to... Mm simple as always probably best in terms of you know if we have three points from a backline perspective in relation to maybe our handling or defensive set and, and our lines of running then then that's a really good positive for us and I think that um yeah I just think that overloading information with the little time that we have together um you know it's probably just going to overwhelm players and, and probably confuse them 
In terms of the upcoming match this weekend against Italy, it's two teams that have played twice and lost twice. So it's a really important game for both teams in terms of where they'll finish. Um, what is the ambition with this? Yeah, look, we, we want to win. There's, you don't go out to any in any game and, and think, oh, look, if we can just put in a good, you know, moral uh, performance here, you know, we'll be happy with that. We absolutely won't. Um, we got to go and try and win this game. I think um, the crowd that we had in Dublin was in the RDS in the round room was brilliant. Um, and if we can replicate something like that in Cork, it'd be super for us. I just think um, we've also got to be very aware of where we are. You know, three weekends camp before. Nations into the air preparing for a World Cup in a few months' time. But we've got to go and have courage and ambition to be able to play. Um, we've got to be brave in how we want to go about things. And we've got to be smarter in terms of how we play and where we play the game. And I think that that's, you know, something that we're trying to get across to our players. But to be fair, you know, we the information's flying in around the WhatsApp groups the last couple of days. And and that's been huge. They, you know, they definitely want to. They, they can see it themselves that they want to play in better positions. So, um, we've got some brilliant talent. We've just got to make sure that we put them into the right positions at the right part of the pitch. Do you think, like, uh, obviously, just looking watching England and how they manage the Italians, um, will you be looking to be doing a more territorial kicking game this weekend, given the Italians, I suppose, lack of exit strategy? Yeah, look, Mal, I think you know uh, Italy are brilliant with ball in the hand. They just don't like to kick the ball very often. So 100%, we've got to try and make sure that we definitely play in the in better parts of the pitch for us to be able to put them under pressure. Um, and I do think that, you know, we spoke about after Wales, um, about our exit strategy, and then just so happens that kind of went down a little bit out the window against France. But um, yeah, we, we've just got to learn from that. But yeah, look, I think... Against Italy, we've got to make sure that um, we're defensively sound, especially on that hunt, because they're mm. incredibly good when they run the ball. You know, Rigoni's probably playing some unbelievable rugby, but it's our ability to manipulate defences and, and destroy these offloads. And so we've got to be connected across the park. But you're, you're dead right. We definitely need to be playing down further down the pitch than we did against France. Claire, Greg McWilliams was uh, part of the coaching staff where you were involved. Can you give us an insight into the coaching style and methods? I suppose he's all about the journey. I think <laughs> Briggs can be testified to that. Obviously, um, Briggs was coached by uh, Greg same time. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he's all about the individual skill, skill execution. I think he's probably still the man who taught me how to pass a rugby ball properly when we aren't the right after the medicine balls, the big balls and the tiny tennis balls uh, down in Malahide at the windy pitch. I remember a couple of camps, particularly in the build up to the 2014 World Cup, you know, you really had to earn the right to uh, throw a rugby ball. So you, you've seen that in the, the skill execution uh, when our attack's been functioning. Um, that there's been some lovely handling. So I think, you know, Greg's obviously brought that in. Um, he's very much about um, the player expressing themselves. Um, you know, he brings a real positivity to the role and he really wants to empower the girls to, to play well. And you can kind of hear that from, you know, because he's definitely adopted some of that positive chat. Um, and, you know, going forward, you can see that in the, the collective, you know, the girls, how they're speaking about each other, even despite performances, you know, it's all about trust in the group and building mm -hmm. for a, a brighter future in the, in the game. Yeah, no, it seems like there's some interesting strategies from a couple of things that he said in press conferences and, you know, chatting to him. Um, Neve, can you confirm, is it still all about the journey? Um, he backs it up with a brilliant ability to manage people. Like, even from my short time working with him over the last few weeks, I've learned so much from him. Like, 
it's just it's it's brilliant to be in that environment. Um, but Mod is right. Like we're looking at you know skill execution and not just the pass, but how we catch. That's so important. And when you break it down to that kind of minute detail, you just realise you've gone up to another level. And um, but he also backs players, you know, in their ability to to be able to go and, and have courage to be able to play and see what's in front of them and. And that's the balance that you're looking for. You you want them to be able to go and play, but you want them to be able to to do it in right parts of the pitch. But you also want them to be all on the same page. And I think that mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're trying to to manage at the moment. And plenty of positives in the performances. There's definitely been areas that we feel like we you know dropped the ball on in terms of maybe as a coaching group or as a coaching player group, but as a, a wider group, you know, we're still trying to work that through. But, um to have everybody continue to buy in and to be positive and to understand that when we get things right, we can be really, really good. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a skill in itself. And um, I think he's brilliant at it. Yeah, so knowing that some of these sevens players would be unavailable, were you looking at the long-term development of the squad as opposed to this Six Nations campaign, um, you know, taking it as a learning or what was the, uh, you know, strategy for this this Six Nations? Yeah, look, I, I think it, it does sound very cliche, but it, we... we we we're taking it game by game in terms of the best players for that opposition, if that makes sense. Um, Greg's been very open about that, and I think when you know we had three weekends of camp leading, we sacrificed camps before that to make sure the girls got to play high level games within an AIL structure in that top four, and I think that was really important because when they arrive in to the camp, they're game ready, and they're very they're they're more robust from playing for for um, a number of weeks on end, so. Yeah, look, I think that we picked a, a squad of 38 knowing that we'd have sevens girls available for some um, and then we wouldn't have them for some games. So you're just going to try and find balances within that. Um, and nothing really changes in terms of our goal and our focus is to continue to develop and, um, you know, m- develop kind of players to an international level that they're more comfortable in that environment. And I think that, you know, with or without the sevens, we can do that. So I just think that we've got to be able to create those environments of training where we give players enough ammunition, I suppose, and put them under enough pressure that they kind of become comfortable in that intense, um, you know, fast-paced game where that what in terms of what we want to play. And that's, that's something that's huge for us. And I think that those three weekends were brilliant, huge learnings for us because, you know, we, we look at ball and play minutes and, and where, where we want to get to and I think that we definitely started off at a higher base than what we realised so there's definitely a huge amount of talent out there we've just got to continue to develop it so um, the focus for this competition was to win as many games as we can and that doesn't change but we've also got to be mindful where we are in our journey and I think that's not giving us a free pass that's just giving us an understanding of where we are in terms of us as a group and the outside noise will always be there but we just got to continue to understand that if we could go in the right direction and, and there's been pockets of both games where we're thinking okay yeah like, we definitely have it and there's been pockets where we're like okay we, we we have to work do a lot of work in this in this space and um and so for that you know i think as we continue to grow after the six nations into the summer that you know come next year six nations 12 months time you, you'd like to think that you'd have 40 45 players that would be of international caliber and when a squad is selected or a team is selected, we're talking about players that, oh God, isn't it, you know, how is this person not there and that person not there because everybody's playing really well at that level. 
we know you're a big fan of uh, fantasy rugby, something that I think anybody that starts playing gets really into. Uh, you were in 10th position in, in week one and you have moved yourself right up to third. So what was the secret last week? <laughs> um, the secret, I love fantasy rugby. I think it's brilliant to be able to pick and choose, but the secret is actually picking players who end up playing or are in squads <laughs> because the first week I had players who weren't even in matchday squads, players who were on the bench. I didn't pick a super sub. I was just... It was very disorganised and I paid the price. But <laughs> this week I had my team set out, but uh, then the, the selections came through and like England had made a rake of changes and stuff like that. So I had to do a quick shuffle and I got really lucky and a lot of my players scored uh, tries this weekend, which I never usually cheer for other teams. But I did have a wry smile every now and then, you know, when Sansus went over and, and uh, Libby Thompson and stuff like that. But uh yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, you get really into it. And I think it's another great way for people to, to get to know the players and look out for them on the telly when they're playing and stuff like that. And it, it's just helping to grow the game a little bit and recognise some of the superstars that we have in this tournament. Yeah, I think it gets people invested in not just the, their own country's team, but like beyond that and to start to actually familiarise themselves with the competition and then like know who you're coming up against. But yeah, certainly like when you're starting to watch some of these players, you're like, please get a score, please yeah, get a yeah. score. And then, yeah, I mean, if you're unlucky to not have them on the pitch or make a few mistakes. But um, for this week, who are you looking at um, bringing into your fantasy team? Uh, well, you're chasing down, you're chasing down a gold medal in this competition. Yeah, look, um, so I have my team obviously here that got me, I think, something like 900 points last week, which I was delighted and quite surprised about. So it's a pretty good score. I, I'm not looking to change much, so I went with Dujang, uh, Phillips and Brown in the front row, uh, Ward from England and then Medusu Fall, who was player of the match in round one. Uh, Adele McMahon from Ireland, Herme from France and Conkle in the back row thought it was a nice balance and um, they actually performed fairly poorly for me so I might be making some changes there but definitely keeping Stan Seuss and Drew Anna 10 and uh, they're getting me loads of points. I had Lydia Thompson, Lydia Thompson as my um, captain so she got me 300 points the weekend. I really want to keep her but like the chances are she won't be in the squad this weekend mm -hmm. which is absolutely ridiculous to you know three tries, play out of your skin um, and not even make the bench. Like That just screams quality uh, that England have. But sticking with Eve Higgins again, she's going to have another cracker against Italy. I know it. Um, I have Jazz Joyce in my other wing, but they have a tough test this weekend. Um, so I might be taking her out and I'll see... Uh, will I bring back in Emily Murphy-Crow or will Baven be on? I try to bring her into the squad, but I'm also going to stick with Ellie Caldona fullback and hope that kind of some of my tried and trusted players that I've been going with uh, get a good run out and score a few tries and I'll be cheering for Ireland. But like, you know, if I have an Italian player on my team and they score a try, well, I'll be a little wry smile just to get some points on the board. I don't know if you can tell that I'm very competitive. No, not at all. I want to win, but I do. Yeah, who, who was your captain last week and who are you looking at this week? Yeah, so I, have, I had Libby Thompson this week. Um, probably going to stick with an English winger. Mm -hmm. uh, top tip, they always score. Um, so, yeah, if, if it's not Libby Thompson, I'll probably go with Abby Dow. Mm -hmm. um, again, good luck at someone like Amy Lee Murphy-Crow or Baven to captain them if, if, um, if, they're, if they're on the pitch. But, 
yeah, look, can't look past the wingers. And There's a bit of tactics involved in the game, obviously getting the right selections, but also in terms of captaining your team, but like that super sub as well, because last year they hadn't got the bench in uh, in the game and yeah. super sub wasn't available, so it adds a, a bit more of an intricacy to it this year. There's a bit more work in it than I yeah. think you can, like, that's like, I find myself spending an hour or so, like just by accident, like realizing that, God, I've spent so much time on this because you're trying to find team lists, trying to find how well they did last week. Can you afford them? The budget then messes everything up. And I couldn't fill my bench the first week because I yeah. I'd spent too much money on, on the expensive players. But uh, as I said, it's great fun. It's a great way for people to get to know the players. Like then they can recognize them, you know, because a lot of teams might know Irish players because they see them in the media and, and uh, all that sort of stuff but like they might know what too many of the French look like or the English or the Italian so it's nice to be able to be like oh number 14 is is that the one that I had on my team like go score try and like it, it's just great to be able to see get more people watching more people involved and there's great prizes on offer you did tell us a story off camera now I think at the very beginning <laughs> are you going to sell out your wife for not picking you before yeah, <laughs> what well. was the story there Last year when we were playing, um, obviously I made the transition. I, I was kind of starting out my 15s career as a wing fullback. There was no fantasy rugby then. Um, and then this year, or sorry, last year then I ended up playing 10, but they had me in as a fullback or a winger. So like you had to play me there. And first week I got player of the match against Wales and it was fine. But my own wife chose Bavin Parsons over me. And I was actually made a sub. It was, <laughs> it was devastating. Um, thankfully, we we're still married. Yeah, you made it through. We don't have to go through that this year. But uh, I was I was a little heartbroken to be honest. And that, but look, I I totally understand. If Avon's a superstar, she was on fire last year, scoring tries for fun. So. Yeah, to forgive and uh, yeah, forget. I suppose. Well, not forget. <laughs> Definitely not forget. But forgive. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Fabian's been on the Can bench. Can you tell I'm, I'm over it? <laughs> yeah, no, she's been on the bench, obviously, the, the last two weeks. So I think she's done us all a, a few solids, if you can manage to afford her. So I've had she's her so expensive. as my super sub on like, the bench. She's so expensive to put on the bench when you could utilise somebody else. So yeah. All in the tactics. Um, in terms of the, the upcoming game against Italy, like, what are your kind of final thoughts and, um, you know, you had talked initially about, you know, a successful campaign might be three wins for Ireland. Um, obviously, we're not three wins at home. We're not going to get one. Um, are, are, is two still achievable? And what can we be looking for in the game against Italy? Look, I do think that two is still achievable. Like, when I, knowing the, the quality we have in the squad as individuals and as a team, whether we'll get two, I'm not sure. Um, just in terms of, again, girls are still adjusting to the new style of play and... There have been those errors uh, and penalties the last uh, couple of games that haven't helped their cause, but there's no doubting that this game against Italy is a big game. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, we, we don't lose to Italy that often. To lose at home would be a blow. They are above us in the rankings, so again, to get that win would be a really nice rankings boost for us. And again, showing that we can beat teams that are going to the World Cup and show our quality, but... We need a performance. Like I, I feel like I'm saying this every week, but the girls know we need a performance. We need to cut down our errors and our penalty counts. We need to hold on to possession. Um, and 
let these electric players, the Baven Parsons, the Emily Murphy Crow, Stacey Flood, Eve Higgins, you know, let them get on the ball and show what good rugby can do. And our pack needs to set the platform and the basis for that by getting good front football and and hopefully we see that this weekend. Hopefully it's nice dry weather. They get a good crowd, a good atmosphere in that new venue um, down in Cork. And yeah, I just desperately hope the girls get a win because I know they're, they're good enough too um, and they've been working hard, but it's not guaranteed. For anyone that's listening or watching now, is Ireland currently the lowest ranked team in this championship? No, so Scotland and Wales are below us, but Wales have jumped a few places. So I think we're... Eighth, and Italy are seventh. Uh, England number one. I think France are third behind New Zealand, maybe second. Um, I'm not sure. So like there is, you can see that gap. It, like results are showing the gap. England and France are definitely in the top three teams in the world with New Zealand. And then there's a couple of places until Italy, ourselves, Wales have just jumped ahead of Scotland with their victory at the weekend. Um, so. We're not the lowest ranked, but again, a reminder, we are the only team not in the World Cup and they will have more games, more opportunities to get ranking points from that World Cup, you know, and they may well jump ahead of us if we don't get a victory. Mm-hmm. Back to score predictions. So first up in Ireland versus Italy, what are we expecting this week? Uh, again, judging by what the flashes of brilliance we have seen and the, like we've shown that we do have the ability to score tries I do think Ireland can rack up points on this Italy team who can panic under pressure. So I've gone for Ireland 33, Italy 21. And again, Italy are well able to score. They're dangerous. Um, If we keep our penalty high, I think they will score on us. But I do think we can can put 30 plus points on them. Um, I hope it's a lot lower. I hope our defence is better than that. But I'm trying to go with my head here and not my heart. (laughs) It can be tough. England versus Wales, what can we expect? Yeah, look, Wales have been, I suppose, the surprise team of the championship yeah. so far. They got the wooden spoon last year. Uh, they only scored two tries all championship and they've now got two bonus points. Yeah. Um, you know, having scored nine tries, I think it is, overall so far in the two games. So I think they're in for a reality check this yeah. weekend. Um, you know, coming up against the best team in the world and it's at home. There's a huge crowd going. I think it's going to be a record breaker for a women's Six Nations game in England. So... I think I'm lowballing a little bit, but I'm going to go something like England 44, Wales 10. Because I think Wales have the ability to score, and we've seen yeah. that. Yeah, no, look, it's certainly been exciting watching Wales, um, but they've kind of eased themselves into it a little bit, and they obviously have England and France kind of coming yeah. down, coming they're, down they're, the tracks. So. For them, that's the true test of, of where yeah. they're at. And nobody, again, is expecting a victory. But can they put in still a good performance, yeah. put points on the board? Because I think like, we obviously have talked about like, the fact that they've had a couple of months as professional, how much of an impact has that, cha- has that had. And I think we'll really see that from yeah. when they face you know, two teams that have been professional for a while. And then for the Scotland and France game, uh, what's the score you're expecting? Yeah, look, Scotland, uh, similar to us, haven't won a game yet. Um, agonisingly lost at the weekend by five points to Wales. And that, that will hit hard and they'll come out fighting here. But again, France, I suspect, will be far, far too strong for them. Um, Scotland are at home and they usually get good support. So um, I still think I still think France will hit the 40 mm-hmm. to 50 point mark. So I'll say 45 Six to France. Thanks, I'm, I'm being harsh. <laughs> I don't know. All those scores it's so hard to, to, to pick. Guess, it. Yeah. 
and uh, we look forward to reviewing it next week but as ever thanks again for joining us in studio to go through the Six Nations um, tournament uh, and what we can expect this week uh, this has been episode 3 of the Hair Sport Six Nations show brought to you in association with Opal the exclusive car partner to the IRFU you can catch up on this episode and every episode in the series on YouTube and on our podcast channels on every podcast app we want you to show your support for the girls in green as they host Italy for round three in the TikTok Six Nations uh, Championship. Comment below what you think will be the final score in this weekend's game and one of you will win two tickets to the game of Ireland versus Italy in Musgrave Park. Send your photos to us on Instagram and Twitter uh, using the hashtag Hersport Six Nations. Thanks for watching or listening. Hersport's Six Nations show in association with Opal.